0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
2: today's episode has been sponsored by jay mclaughlin jay mclaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20 capital Z I B B Y 20 that's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z ZIBBY20 take advantage of it today my favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour i have a blue with light blue horizontal stripe sweater Several dresses I even wore on Corning America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. and definitely check out those shows as well. Amanda Eyre Ward is the author of The Lifeguards, a novel. She's also the author of Sleep Toward Heaven, How to Be Lost, Love Stories in This Town, Forgive Me, Close Your Eyes, The Same Sky, The Nearness of You, and The Jet Setters. Her best selling novels have been featured in People Magazine, The New York Times, and more. Amanda's work has been optioned for film and TV and translated into 15 languages. By the way, The Jet Setters was a Reese's book club pick. She lives in Austin, Texas, and Oray, Ore, Colorado. Amanda writes every morning and spends afternoons with her children. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on Mom's Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Lifeguards, a novel.
3: Thank you so much for having me. And I loved being in your apartment once, but now I'm in the little cottage behind my house where I write.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's so nice that you have a place like that to go to. Well,
3: Mm -hmm. I have a kind of crazy story about it. Actually, I used to write in the house in a closet where I feel comfortable making things up. And then the pandemic happened. So we had this garden shed, renovated it. It's my wonderful little oasis. And then I said to my elderly next door neighbor, Oh, I renovated the garden cottage. And she said, You mean the cat house? <laughs> I oh, said, no. Wait, sorry, what? And she said, Oh, the people who lived there before you had 35 cats in that shed. <laughs> so welcome to the cat house.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I just
3: try to, you know, ignore that and and call it my garden cottage anytime I can. So here I am in my garden cottage.
2: I love it. Well, I love that you have a whiteboard behind you for inspiration and um, for plotting and all that.
3: Yes. And a big board over here with cards. You know what? We don't even need to to look over there because this area is neat. Um, (laughs) I use index cards to plot, actually. So they're all up on the board over there. Huh.
2: Wait, so take me through the process. We are going to talk about the lifeguards. Take me through the writing process, start to finish. What do you do when you first get... I'd
3: love get- to talk about it. And I can talk about the lifeguards. Yeah, take it. And talk about it. The, the, the process. Process. Yes, Okay, so... What I do when I start thinking about a book is I will see the characters in my mind. And for the lifeguards, it was three moms in Austin and their three 15-year-old sons who are lifeguards. And then I'll just see various scenes in my mind, like the moms drinking margaritas. I saw the boys biking home after something very terrible has happened. I see all these scenes. So then I have a huge pile of index cards here and I'll give a color to each character, and then I'll just jot down on them. I don't know why this says trampoline. This must be for my new book, The Peacocks, A Scene on a Trampoline, but I'll just kind of jot down trampoline, or scene with the moms, or the underground doomsday bunkers, because one of them is a real estate agent showing Mm -hmm. underground doomsday bunkers, and then I'll lay them all out, And I know the three-act structure, and for any writers in the audience, there's a wonderful book called The Weekend Novelist, and it lays out the three-act structure. So I'll lay it all out, and I'll say, oh, that needs to be the midpoint or plot point one or the climactic scene. So I have this illusion of a novel. I mean, in front of me, it just looks so easy. I just need to write all the index cards. And I actually have a little envelope, and I'll bring them with me when I go to a cheap motel to write, and I'll say I'm writing these three index cards. So, but when I sit down to write, I can write any card I want out of order. So George Saunders, one of my favorite writers, said it's like holding your hand over the burner to see which one is hot. And then whichever scene is hot, I'll sit down to write it and say it's a plane trip where they're supposed to land in Paris. I'll then go into my cat house. (laughs) or as I call it, the garden cottage, and I'll start writing that scene on the plane. But then I let sort of the magic take over. So if somebody hijacks the plane and it lands instead of in Paris in Morocco, then I have to throw away all the cards and figure out what the heck they're doing in Morocco. So it's this interplay between listening to the characters do what they want and imposing some sort of structure on it. And if I didn't have this illusion of a plan, of a like, if I just write all these index cards, I'm done, I would go insane. So I have that illusion and it looks fantastic on my writer's board. And I even behind me put the dates that I'm gonna write certain scenes. So I have some structure. And then I let it take me where it will during the writing process. Wow. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know Andrew Sean Greer who wrote less. Yeah. Right? I just
2: got the less is lost. Or, yeah.
3: Okay. So he's a friend of mine from graduate school and what I do don't I? have less is lost. And you're I, just I just got it. I just got it. Okay. Well, you got it before me and I'm going to call him when we're done, but I explained I send, this to do you want me him. To send it?
2: Do you want me to send it to you and you can send it back to me? I'm not going to read it quite yet anyway. So
3: yes, yes, yes.
2: Okay. All right, Although I though.
3: can, you know, bother him. But anyway, I explained my writing process to him in an interview and he said, that is insane. (laughs) So it might not be everyone's writer's process with the index cards and the magical thinking, but it's what works for me.
2: I love that. So how often do you actually stick to them? Like how many times did the plane land in Morocco, for instance?
3: (laughs) You know, I mean, with the lifeguards, I have to tell you, it was really hard because it's my second thriller. And with a thriller, you have the plot that has to happen, and then you have the characters who want to do what they want to do, especially fully formed characters. You know, they're, they might want to get on a plane to Morocco. So with a character-driven novel, like my previous novel, The Jet Setters, they could kind of do what they wanted, and one of the characters missed the ship because he got drunk in Rome and, you know, he had to figure out, and that that's all okay. But with a thriller, you know, with the lifeguards, it's these boys arrive home. They found a body on the Greenbelt near my house, which was another weird thing, writing a book set in my neighborhood. It's also weird to have a book published that's set in your neighborhood. But anyway... It it I had all the times of the a hundred times they wanted to do other things. And it was really hard because you know, if a character has to go somewhere to find a clue and then they decide that day, no, they're leaving town, which is what happened. Liza, the character of the single mom, decides to pack her car and leave town. She can't leave town because she has to connect with the, the sexy cop, Salvador. So, you know, it's it was really hard, and especially the climactic scene of the lifeguards was so difficult. And I wrote it so many times that in fact, your advanced copy has a different ending to the end, to the eventual hardcover.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, I'm very sorry about that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I nobody know. loves that. I, they were, you know, I said it wasn't quite done and it went to advanced copy and it wasn't done. And so the, the actual hardcover has a different ending. So yeah, that ending was so hard. And it's exactly that issue. You can tell, you know, all the characters had to assemble in a certain place for a certain thing to happen. I also had to call Paula McLean, who just finished a thriller, and ask her, how do you do the denouement climax scene in a thriller? And she walked me through what no Hannah had taught her to do. No. So, yes. I have it all written down in my notes. I don't know what we'd do without each other, honestly. Oh, she my said, gosh. Do you, you want to know what she said?
2: Of course. Yes.
3: Yes. So, Okay. In the end of a thriller, in the climactic scene, you obviously have to get the major players in a confined space. (laughs) So I don't know if you read Paula's thriller. I did. Um, Yes, so fantastic. So she was, that character was in the room with a killer. Yep. Mine is in a room also with a killer, as it turns out. And you have to get them, then, then she said to focus on the physicality. So like in mine, I had to have the feeling of the chair underneath her fingers the buttery leather of the chair and sort of then you have to have the protagonist and the antagonist recognize that they're actually the, same. the and, same and that was something I'd never thought of which happens in both our books and really any thriller they're sort of trapped in there and you see oh I'm really the same as this murderer in its own way okay and then they have to take action to sort of write the um, right the wrongs which happens in both of ours and every thriller and and yeah that was really helpful. For me to have that advice from her, of all people you'd think who would give (laughs) the author of The Paris Wife is the expert on thrillers.
2: But yes, so no. I so, love. What was it? When the stars go dark? Is that what it was called? When the, yes, yeah, okay. No, that was great. That was I great. know. And she was. She. I remember interviewing her before it came out, and she was so nervous to, to be switching genres. And I'm like, who cares if it's a great book and you're a great author? But there's so, so she much. And I pressure. Met
3: in Kauai with Christina, and just became. We have a huge text stream going with Meg. What about book titles and things like.
2: No that. way. Wait. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear more about this. Who is on your text stream? So it's Meg.
3: Where's my phone? I'll tell you, it's Kauai Gals, because one day Lisa Sharkey was leading a yoga class. So she started a, uh, who's at HarperCollins? Do you know? You probably know all the Kauai Gals. I'll pull it up. Okay. So it's Michelle Tesler, my agent. Jonathan Franzen's agent, Susan Gollum, yeah. Meg Wolitzer. I can't see, I don't know how to use my phone to look at who it is, but Christina, Paula, you should really be on there. You should be a kawaii <laughs> gal. It's, such, it's just this incredible group of women. It's so, Whitney Scherer. Yeah. So
2: I want to have all of you like for dinner. Could we, oh, could I like invite the Kauai gals over or something? Can we do like we a group? of
3: parties dinner? in New York all the time. Actually, we had a party at Lisa Sharkey's house.
2: Oh my gosh. Okay. Like, well, or just yeah. invite me you know
3: okay <laughs> perfect yes we'd love to
2: or i could do like a little event like welcome the kawaii gals or something i don't yes, know or you
3: should come to Kawaii. we actually had hawaiian food lisa Sharkey got
2: that oh so and cool. um
3: carrie farron from harper mm-hmm. collins is, in, wow. is a kawaii gal <laughs> It's really fun. And I wrote a children's book with my daughter and we named it after a Jonathan Franzen essay called Save What You Love. And it's about, it has not found a publisher, but my daughter and I wrote a book about saving everything in your own backyard as a way of sort of feeling like you can do something to save the world. You, You catalog all the, this is what the Franzen essay is about, cataloging every bug, every animal. And then you figure out, okay, do I plant these for butterflies or whatever? You save your own little, sanctuary and so I was able to go through Susan and say I don't know Jonathan Franzen does he mind if I use his title and he was honored
2: wow (laughs) So it's do you need do you have you tried to sell it the children's book yeah
3: we got a children's book I wrote it with a friend of mine who's a fabulous children's book author and we tried to sell it yeah and they wanted it to be a multi-generational story which it's not it's a mom and her daughter so I don't know Oh, Zippy Books. You don't do children's books, do you?
2: We do not. We do not. I can barely keep my head on straight with what we're doing. But um, I know. But I have I had I have had other people say they're looking for great children's books. So, well, we'll offline have to keep in touch. Yeah. Keep in but touch. you
3: know, in terms of honestly not having time for stuff and I know yeah. you know this, I also have 3 kids and I try to be Religious about writing in the mornings and not doing absolutely anything else. And if I have a dentist appointment, that day will be certain things. But I'll say my brain is going to be in this space. I'll describe the green belt hike that day because I know that my brain's a little bit offline. I can do that. And then I go to motels, as I said, or fancy hotels, or my, my friends' empty houses when I really need to figure something out. When I really need to put that climactic scene together. So it's I, I'm very very Religious about that.
2: So, what is your time? what is the time? What are your deadline? Like, what is your window that you work?
3: Okay. So normally, I mean, before kids. <laughs> no, it no, before kids. Me. For, no, no, oh, so no forget
2: before kids. No, no.
3: Forget it. Okay. Okay. Moving <laughs> on. Moving on. And my son is graduating from high school. So it's been 18 <laughs> oh, years. I shouldn't
2: say forget it I'm sure there are people listening who do not have kids and that would probably be useful too. I was just like joking that it, it no, all just seems I used, easy. What I was going to say is that
3: I used to not really sleep. I'm, I'm an insomniac and I've had to get better about making sure I sleep, but the kids get off to school in In an ideal world, my husband will do the morning. He often does. Mm -hmm. I come straight here or upstairs at my house and I write first thing, however many pages or whatever scenes I've assigned myself while I'm still in that sort of dream state. And then I'm done. And then by afternoon, I read a great essay once and I'm forgetting the name of the author about how when she picks up her kids from school, she's still kind of underwater with seaweed in her hair. And I love that. And I actually have a hard time with the transitioning to chatting with moms after school because I am often thinking about really complex, sometimes dark. Topics, I'm still in that fictional world, although I don't often go till three o'clock. Now I try to go for a walk. Another thing Andy Greer told me is to go out to lunch because he's, as he said, it's kind of a lonely life. And I am an introvert, so that's great. But I've started making plans at least once a week for a beautiful lunch at this Italian place around the corner. I'll even contact writers I don't know and say, Hey, like Meg Gardner is a thriller writer in town. I just said, Hi, I'm a writer in town. Would you like to have lunch. And so I have this wonderful network just from having a big pasta lunch once a week. And it's such a treat. But other than that, I really am, you know, working, I'm in the world of the books. And then after school, as you know, the kids come thundering home, everything goes crazy. I'm kind of a mom who's in the corner, you know, flipping through a New Yorker and eavesdropping. That's what I've done. And I love it. And it helps to remind me because, you know, some days the writing's going well, some days it's not. I've had books that were on the Times bestseller list and I've had books that went nowhere. But all of that, its it, I feel very lucky to be reminded by 305 every day that there's a whole world that could care less about my books and my, my children and their friends. And I just love it, going to water parks and just being mom.
2: Do you feel like the books that made the list and the ones that didn't, do you think the ones that made the list were actually that much better? Or do you feel like there's just some unknown element that made those books succeed when the other ones didn't and they're all sort of equally the same caliber?
1: You
3: know, obviously I think about this a lot and it's really funny as my career has gone on and we'll see a book like mine. Like I did, I published, I don't know if it's back there. Yeah, Close Your Eyes which way does my hand go? This one. (laughs) Like a few weeks before Gone Girl, and it's a very similar book. And it was just like, wow, (laughs) who knew? And I I try not to think about that stuff anymore because it drives me insane. But I will say The Jet Setters was picked by Reese, and then it went to the bestseller list. And that is why it went to the bestseller list. And also, who knows, she would have picked that one. You know, it's just sort of, it's a it's a dysfunctional family on a Mediterranean cruise. And it was inspired by Les because both Andy and I had been writing. Yeah, you know, So we were friends in graduate school. We'd hang out watching Parker Posey movies, trying to, you know, get a short story in a very fancy lit magazine. He succeeded, I did not. And then we just kept writing and writing, and Les is hilarious, you know, and it's very much his personal voice. And it really inspired me to say, maybe you know, maybe I don't need to be writing about apartheid or children at the border, which are topics I have been taking on. And I think I sort of wanted to be important. And I had this idea, honestly, from a very male MFA program. I was the only woman in my class. And I thought I want to impress everybody. You know, I went to Williams, like I'm supposed to be this really important, I'm either going to be a pediatrician, a judge, or a very important author. And as the years have gone by and I turned 50, I think my internal life as a mother actually is more important, if not as important as all the other topics we're talking about, you know, as war, apartheid, kids, the border, you know, mothers on the other side of the border. So The Jet Setters really was my first book where I kind of said this is for me and my people, you know, I actually, it's, it's a really tangled family story dealing with addiction and mental illness. They're on a cruise ship, which is something I wanted to do with my kids. It's actually a crazy story. I do a, I did a vision board because I saw an Oprah video It said, imagine what you want. So I'm flipping through a travel magazine and there's a cruise ship balcony. And I thought, I'm sitting there in my hot kitchen in a bathrobe, like, you know what, that's where I belong, not in this kitchen in this number one mom bathrobe from TJ Maxx, I belong on the cruise ship. So I also thought, oh, I need a number one Times bestseller to get there. And I had this sort of epiphany, like, wait a minute, why? Why do I need a number one, you know, money? So I found a cheap cruise ship. I thought I'll set a novel on a cruise ship. I emailed my editor. She said she loved the idea. I told my wonderful husband, I'm taking our savings and I'm taking the boys on a cruise from Athens to Barcelona. And I did it. That was number one on my vision board. And I got it. And then I wrote the book and then I got paid for it, which barely paid all the plane tickets and then Reese picked it. And then I got to the bestseller list. So it was such a great lesson to really focus on the immediate, you know, and how you can get there without waiting for the important people of the world to say that you deserve it. And so I, you know, I sort of, and when I got on the bestseller list, I felt like I deserved it. And that's years of therapy. I'm <laughs> proud of my crazy book about a cruise ship. I'm proud of it. It deserves it. Anyway, so I actually, that's my only answer to that question is that the feeling of success is writing the book only you can write. And I could only write the lifeguards. It's my neighborhood. It's mom's. It's anxiety. I think it's important. And I'm really proud of it. So I think if if I continually focus on that and not how the book does commercially, then I can't lose.
2: That's amazing. That oh. is like the most inspiring. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm going to like replay that. Uh, you know, people should, I don't know. I, I don't even know how you bookmark on a podcast, but if I could bookmark <laughs> on a podcast, it would be right there. Well, cause... I
3: mean, if we just surround ourselves, right, with people who make us feel like what we're doing matters like our families and our friends. And we read great books and we love great books. And we try to do that, you know, and also redefine our definition of great. Mm -hmm. Because I think what we're doing as moms who are trying to write and read is just as important as anything else.
2: Not to mention that there is also a school of thought that like you should not be writing about kids on the border or apartheid, right? Absolutely. Right. So Maybe it's all coming back to sort of writing what you know, or not being afraid to expose sort of the the drama of the everyday.
3: Yes, right. exactly. And I will say, you know, I spent a year interviewing the kids and not to get into that topic. And I, all, you know, a lot of the book is a white lady reckoning with this stuff but my, but the life bars has a character a mom who's mexican american and becomes an american citizen and that you know i have a lot of friends in that situation in austin and but it, i had a sensitivity reader that who was incredibly helpful with making sure it was right and you know the boys there was a lot there were a lot of issues and when you're tackling tough topics that matter to you you might hit some tripwires and i am fine with doing that but i have to say i was thrilled when my biggest book was white people on a cruise ship drinking too much chardonnay. I was like this is my story. I have every right to this story. It was a little bit of a relief because it's complicated now and I think it's important to put forward all people who don't necessarily have access easily. Not like I had easy access to the publishing machine, you know, I worked incredibly hard too and I grew up, you know, without a ton of money, but you know, we all deserve to tell our stories whatever they are.
2: So you know? true. What was it like, the part about getting picked by Reese after that whole situation? Oh my gosh. So
3: there I have this book and it, you know... They Okay, so I had finished a chapter of the lifeguards or something. I had done something with my work where I felt like I could go down the street to the relaxed day spa where you can get a cheap shoulder rub. (laughs) Like 30 bucks, it's the best thing ever. I put in my binaural Beats headphones and tip a lot and it's the best. So I went and got that and turned off my phone. So I turned my phone back on after my back rub treat and there were five messages from Random House, which does not happen to me. You know, I talk to my editor, Kara Caesar, all the time. She's wonderful, but I don't often get five calls from her. So I listened to the messages and they just kept saying, call us back, call us back. So I called them back from my car and they all assembled in the room, Kim Hovey and Jennifer Hershey. And I've been with Valentine Random House for 20 years. So they said, you know, Reese picked your book; she picked the job centers and we were all screaming. And and then she, Kara told me at the sales meeting when they announced it, a guy said, I've been selling Amanda for 20 years and it's fine. Finally, her because it's often debut novelists, and it was pretty great to be this pushing fifty author. And but I wasn't allowed to tell anyone, and so. I didn't. I told my husband, I told my kids who didn't care or know anything about it. And then I just sat on it and I went and I went to Kauai. Actually, I was just the plus one of my agent. I wasn't big enough to be on the staff. I was just kind of like helping out. And, but we knew that mine was going to come out and be really big. And it was glorious. I got to meet Reese. We had the same coffee mug from Target in our Zoom call. Reese's whole team is incredible. I went to LA and did all of that stuff. And. Uh, It's just been a dream. It's been like I'm in a dream.
2: That's amazing. Yes, it's amazing. And
3: and I love, you know, I've been reading all her books, every pick all along the way. I'm just reading True Biz right now. Have you read that? I haven't read that yet. It's so wonderful. It's set in the world of deaf Americans and it's all, it's set at a boarding school for deaf students, but you learn a lot about like, there's a different sign, black sign language that came up through history. There's the whole divide between people who want cochlear implants and those who just want to exist in the sign language world. It's just
2: fascinating. But yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I am so impressed by you in every way, shape or form. I feel like- any goal you have, you will achieve. I bet. Like, what is your workout? Well, here track? I am on. Wait, Synth tell me, books. tell me your What's workout. Yeah, do you work out? Workout. Like, oh, yeah, What is your? <laughs> no, I'm just curious because I'm wondering if you apply like all this. I laugh because bigger no. and organization for your professional life. To I mean, literally,
3: I feel like I get else. two things. I get my writing and my family. Um, mm-hmm. so workouts, no. I walk the dogs a lot. I have a wonderful hot yoga studio down the street that I started going to, but you know, I don't do a lot of that. I, I do what I want to do, but I'm not good at making a plan. So no, my work ethic goes towards two things. <laughs> love it. That's really uh, it. I mean, I have this house that I love so much in Austin and it's filled with Ikea furniture. My friend came over for a party and said, no, where do you put your table linens? Like what? I don't have table linens. I Instacart everything. I don't really cook. I mean, I, I just, you know, the house is filled with Instacart things that I'm like, good luck kids. So (laughs) now I have a beat up car that needs to be cleaned. I really get, I get the two things. That's, that's it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> wow. Well, that is in also time. fascinating. I love yeah. that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I should do more to be honest. Oh, stop. I, I no, 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 Google, no, 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 no. I mean, in terms of workout,
3: I Google like, no, oh, the no. seven minute, like I just saw the time seven minute joy workout. That looks fun. That looked fun. And I said like, oh, I should play that. I didn't play it. Yeah. I read a ton <laughs> because I have a 10 year old who doesn't want to watch the crime shows I want to watch. I can't really watch TV because I'm always with her. So I read a ton and now started listening to books and that's been really fun. So
2: I'm, yeah, I'm very into listening, especially when I'm going through seasons where I'm driving a lot more or walking yes. across the park home or something. I'm, I'm always like, where am I going? Do I have anything downloaded? Where's what's in my library? <laughs> I know. I just started doing that. Like the longer books that I don't mm. have the
3: sort of presence of mind. You know, it's eight. My daughter goes to bed at eight thirty or eight thirty one. She has some stuff about that. Okay. Okay. And then it's my time, and I often don't want to open the new Jonathan Franzen. I love Jonathan Franzen, but I don't want to go there. So I find myself on Apple News, and you know, you do your own algorithm. <laughs> So there I am with like it's either Pete Davidson or Missing Children. Oh, I have okay. done that to myself. That's what I Pete like, Davidson and Missing Children and Menopause. Like no, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like you know so but when I started listening, yeah, I can listen to the more I just finished a book called Trust, which was yes, fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. And the new Julia Glass, I can't wait to listen to Me it. Me too, Visual Harbor. Right, yes. Those sorts of books, to be honest, are going to do better with listening for me. So I haven't gotten into it. I literally two weeks ago decided to do that because I was sort of thinking that I missed that deep reading in my life. And it's really hard for me to ever get there.
2: That's a good idea. Maybe I'll download Julia Glass's book and make that my
3: next, my next, uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, then we should
3: schedule a walk and talk about it. It sounds amazing.
2: I wonder if there's, I mean, they should do like audio book clubs, you know? Listen, they must have that, but anyway. don't do that. We're not doing that. No, no, no. Okay, 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 okay. okay, okay. I'm stopping, stopping. Okay, oh, that would be fun. I know. Okay, this is amazing. I feel like next time I have like something I need solved, I am coming to you. Especially, oh my god. No, I, I love it. You're just, you sister. Are you kidding no, me? <laughs> I, I just, I'm so impressed. Oh look, what else? I can't wait to start. Oh, Lisa. Awesome. Yes. Nobody gets out alive. Oh really. my gosh!
3: I don't know her. I'm just a huge fan, and I just went over to book people because I had bought a bunch of books and never picked them up.
2: Oh my <laughs> that, gosh! That gives
3: you an idea of my life.
2: I really want to get down to book people. That was like one of my. I'm going to come down at some point, maybe for. Let
3: me know. Let's do an event. That would, I would be love fantastic. to. Oh my I'm gosh! A huge that'd be writer fun. crew here. We yeah. Would okay. Up and come, and that would be so fun.
2: I would love it. Maybe in the fall or something.
3: Yes. Fantastic!
2: Okay. All right, I'm in. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, wonderful day. <laughs> you too. I'm gonna I'll go. Talk soon. My... I hope. Okay. Yes. Okay. i are gonna go do what? I was gonna say I'm gonna go get my coffee to match the giant oh, coffee I you You're gonna go
3: for a run? I was like, oh,
2: oh, wow. god, no, 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 no! I'm to gonna wipe
3: off all this makeup and and yeah. probably read about Beat Davidson. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Have a great day. Bye.